and things, uh, they just go away so amped up, so pumped up for the next year. So I want you to give yourselves a really big hand and say thank you to each and every one of you. Why don't you thank the guy, high five the person next to you, tell them thank you for being a part of the conference. If they haven't volunteered for the conference yet, tell them why haven't you, you know. So, um, so like Abby said, my name is Nu. everyone say Nu. Uh, that is uh, short for Fa'amanu, and uh, everyone say Fa'amanu. Fa'amanu means forever praising, so I'm Samoan, uh, I've been Samoan my whole life, and, uh, and uh, so, but my full name is Tungina Mule Malai Tofinga Fiamme Fa'amanu Satalea, everyone say that one. That is my name, don't wear it out, all right? And so it's a, it really is uh, great to be with us, this, uh, with you guys this morning. Who's ready for the word today? Say amen. I, I just cannot wait to get into this this morning. I'm going to sit down, is that okay? I'm getting older these days, so the, the bones are creaking and, and doing all sorts of things they shouldn't be doing. And uh, so I, I want to take you to a couple of scriptures to start off with uh, this morning. The first one's in John 8. And then we're going to look at Luke 19. And uh, if you're taking notes, um, put at the top there, this guy is amazing. There you go. And, uh, uh, but the title of the message is Compassion Changes Lives. Let me just pray. Father, we uh, just honor you again. As we can sit under your word, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for its leadership, for Pastor Luke, Pastor Marilyn, Father God, Stephen Bex, and the others that, that so faithfully have, have led this church. And Father, we just pray in this moment, in this time right now, that you would speak into our situation. You would bring a word in season that would break the yoke of our backs, that would, that would bring answers to our questions. We just know you, Lord God, not me, but you, can do great and wonderful things. So we honor you this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so this is what it says in John 8, verse 2. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in, adult, in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says, commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his, with his finger. And some theologians say that as he was writing on the ground, he was writing out the Ten Commandments again. I, I, I like to think he was drawing pictures and squiggly lines just to annoy those who were waiting for an answer. And, uh, and uh, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, ha ha, lol. <laughs> gotcha. In your face, you know. At this, those who began to, uh, uh, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, uh, because they were a lot smarter, uh, until only Jesus was left. Uh, with the woman still standing there, uh, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. 
Go now and leave your life of sin. So go with me to Luke 19, verse 1. It says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see uh, who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not uh, see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him in gladly. All the people, everyone say all the people. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son came, uh, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen, somebody. Now, now I wanted to say, start off by saying Zacchaeus' uh, stature uh, was a disadvantage in his own eyes, but it, it became the catalyst for his blessing. You know, because he was short, he had to climb up a tree. Because he climbed up that tree, Jesus could see him. I don't want to say to us that, you know, this morning uh, that you might think you've got disadvantages in your life, but those very same disadvantages, God can turn around and use to be the catalyst for your blessing. Amen, somebody. I mean, that was good. That deserves a clap right there. I, I, I also wanted to point out that I suspect Jesus was actually Samoan, you know, because... Because notice how Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house and pray for you. He said, hey, I want to come to your house and eat. (laughs) Anyway, I'm I'm so glad my daughters are not here because they'll be rolling their eyes right now. Going, oh, dad jokes, here we go. Um, So often we look at these scriptures and these two in particular, but actually all through the Bible, we look at passages from cover to cover and, and really... They are, um, they are pretty much like every other good story out there. Um, you know, there is a villain, there is a hero, and then there's somebody in distress. Amen. So in this story, the villain is, are the religious leaders. Jesus is the hero, the person in distress, uh, the woman caught in adultery, and Zacchaeus. And I don't know if you've ever done this yourself, but have you ever put yourself in the place when you're reading those stories? Have you ever said to yourself, well, if I was there, I would do this? You know, often we look at ourselves and we say, well, in this story, I'm the uh, one in distress. Or if you're a bit more bolder and a bit more confident, you might say, well, definitely, I'm the hero. You know, but not too often do we say, well, I'm clearly the villain in this category, you know, in this story. We never say we're the villain. The question has to be asked is, now how do others perceive you? Do they look at your life and do they say, well, you're the hero or you're the one in distress or do they say, actually, mm, the way you've lived your life, you're the villain in this, cat, in this story. Is anybody hearing me this morning? 
You know, the, the, the scriptures reveal the nature and the heart of God. When you look from cover to cover, you know, you look throughout and you, you, you take the bird's eye view and then you go in deep and, 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 and articulate each and every uh, word one by one. You begin to see the very heart of God in it. Do you wanna know what God feels and how he, he, he acts in certain things, what he chooses, what he likes, what he doesn't like? Well, it's all there in scripture for us. Every single thing about the nature and heart of God is available to us in the Word. So let's look at this, these passages a little bit closer. Fact number one, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were the accusers. They were the religious leaders. Now, it's said that um, between Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, and Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, there is a period of about 400 years. 400 years where God didn't say anything, where God was silent, where God stopped speaking. The last one to speak on behalf of God was the prophet Malachi. And then after that, pretty much we're left to our own devices in terms of what we think God might be saying or what we think God might be feeling. And we only have the law to go off. So the law in essence is actually a beautiful thing. Amen, somebody. The law is good. The law is actually there to help people. And actually, the, when you think about it, rules and laws are actually there to protect you, to help you, not to hurt you. Some of us get frustrated over certain laws. You know, we want to drive faster than we're allowed to. But those laws are in place for a reason. It's to protect you. Now, there was a, a, such a law in uh, rugby league circles. Everyone give me a wave if you're a rugby league fan. I'm hoping I'm around real Christians here this morning. Come on. Anybody support the Warriors? This is our year. I'm declaring it, confessing it right now. This is our year. We're gonna do great and wonderful things. And after the meeting, we're having a pre-meeting up the front here, all right? So, but in rugby league, there, is, uh, there was this common thing called a shoulder charge. And Sonny Bill Williams, he was notorious. He was famous for it. I mean, he would just throw himself at people using shoulder charge, no arms, just the shoulder, you know, like a spearhead into the body of somebody, knock them over, and it was amazing to see, but actually it caused a lot of, a lot of damage to the person on the receiving end. So in 2012, after a lot of uh, debate and negotiations, they decided to ban the shoulder charge. Simply, the simple reason was it was just causing too much damage for people. Rules and laws are actually there to help you and to, and to protect you. So rules and laws, when placed in the wrong hands, though, can be used as a vehicle for oppression. Now, the, the descendants of Aaron uh, were chosen to serve the people of God. They were the servants. They were the, kind of like the ministers of God on behalf of, of the tribes of, of, of Judah, of Israel. And, but unfortunately, they began to lord it over the people. So that is what Jesus was dealing with first on. The second fact is this. Jesus was dealing with the cultural norm, which was that of guilt and shame. In the second story in Zacchaeus, it's... it's uh, Zacchaeus is being spoken about with disdain by all the people. It wasn't just some of the people. It wasn't just the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the, or the, the religious leaders or the teachers of the law this time. It was actually all the people. There was a culture of shame, of guilt and shame, which was rampant. 
And this is what Jesus was flying in the face of. Even today, you you see in cultures around the world, there are still some who operate under a culture of guilt and shame. You know, you've, you've, you've brought shame on our family. When somebody does something wrong, and it's brought shame on the family. You know, there's kind of like this oppression. And, and Jesus came to uh, deal with that. And the way he did it was to use the law, but in its correct context. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Matthew uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 are some of the most uh, profound words ever spoken and written uh, by anyone on planet Earth. Um, Jesus is a sermon on the mount. And if you go through that, you will see that Jesus says he didn't come to abolish the law, to do away with the law, but he actually came to fulfill the law. Amen. He actually said the law's good, but you've interpreted it wrong. You've mucked it up, you've messed it up. And so I need to tell you what the essence of the law is really all about. Is anyone hearing me this morning? Uh, Matthew seven twenty eight. it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So so this morning, really, we're looking at compassion, creating a, a culture of compassion as was Jesus was doing. Remember, Jesus said, well, the Bible tells us that the prayer was to let his kingdom come and let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there is a culture, a kingdom culture that Jesus was trying to establish on earth that he wasn't seeing. And he's trying to still establish that today amongst us. And, uh, you know, religion accuses, Christ accepts. Religion reacts, Christ restores. Religion chastises, Christ changes. Religion traps, Christ transforms. You know, Christ came to develop and to set up a culture of a kingdom culture that would run throughout the not just the nation of Israel, but throughout the world, the entire world would change the face of the world for for all of eternity. And so, how do we develop this culture of compassion? Well, that's a great question you ask. Well done. I'm glad I'm not just up here talking to myself. Number one, this is what we do to develop a culture of compassion. We've got to recognize we are all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Come on, everybody say amen to that one. We are all sinners. There is no perfect people in this room, especially the guy up the front, you know, and, uh, and we've got to just deal with that and, and understand that and, and accept that, that we're all works in progress. Every single one of us hasn't made it yet. We're all still figuring out this thing called life, this thing called Christianity, this walk with the Lord. We're all trying to still do it. When you, uh, Jesus said to, um, to the crowd, he said, let he who is without sin be the first to cast a stone. Jesus only needed, he said, I'm, I'm gonna give you a challenge. Just one of you who was without sin, you cast the first one. No one did it. But actually there was one that was without sin that could have cast a stone. But he said, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Go now and sin no more. 
You know, I want to say to us, we are all sinners. I love our DNA. You know, I love the Elam philosophy and the Elam DNA. One of our statements is this. We accept all people, but we don't accept all behaviors. Amen. That means come as you are. If you're here for the very first time, you've just come into this church, you're trying to work out what this is all about, you know, you are so welcome in this place. I'm so glad you've turned up today. And I'm so glad you made it a priority to be here because this is an awesome church. This is an awesome place to be. You're gonna, you're gonna be loved on by people who are not gonna judge you. They're not gonna condemn you because you're still trying to figure it out. Why? Because they're still trying to figure it out themselves. Because every single one of us in this room right now is a work in progress. I get so excited about that thought. I'm like, whew, I can relax now and just be me. I don't have to try and put on the holy out there, you know, wear the Sunday best kind of thing. You know, whatever it is, if you like Sunday best, you know, go for it, that's all good. But if you turn up and rock in in your shorts and jandals, that's good too. It doesn't worry to God. God doesn't look at the outward, he looks at the inward. Amen, somebody. The, the second thing is this. Um, not only do we need to recognize we're all sinners, saved by grace. Number two, we've got to value intimacy and relationship. Jesus was close to Zacchaeus. He sat in his home and he shared a meal with him. I mean, I, I want to say to us, compassion, godly compassion, kingdom compassion, it, it is most effective when it's experienced in close proximity. Now, you can be compassionate about people halfway around the world. That's fine. That's awesome. That's great. But I tell you what, you get in the same room with someone and you show the love of God to that person, they're not just going to say thank you. They're going to tell people, hey, you need to come meet this guy. Man, he, he didn't judge me. He didn't, he didn't mock me. He didn't, he didn't abuse me. He was just friendly. He was so cool. Okay, you need to come to this church. These guys don't judge me at all. They just take me as I am. Come on, we, compassion uh, requires being in close proximity. Jesus was close. He was near, not distant. The third and final thing is this. We've got to focus on salvation for all. Amen, somebody. Jesus focused on seeking and saving that which is lost. You know, the law was interpreted by the Pharisees and it became oppressive. It had become a burden. It had become overwhelming. Like no one could measure up to the standard under the teachings of the, of the, of the religious leaders. Jesus came and said, well, you're never gonna measure up to it. No, that you need my grace. Uh, I've come to set you free from the law of sin and death because uh, the law of the spirit has set you free from all of that. Is anybody hearing me this morning? And uh, Jesus came to establish a kingdom culture, a culture of freedom, but I just want to say to us this morning, you know, this year is going to be a big year for each and every one of us. I, I, I declare that over your life. You're going to have the best year that you've ever experienced. I just know that. Uh, this, this year, 2020, is a year of clarity of vision. It's going to be clarity of vision for you personally, but it's going to be clarity of vision for the things that God wants to do in and through your life. Now, you're looking at me going, well, who, me? Little old me? I pack bags at the supermarket or, or you know, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a this or I'm just a that. You know, I'm talking about you. Yeah, you. Not necessarily the ones with pastor next to their names, but I'm talking about God's people. You know, God's gonna use his church and he's gonna raise up his church. And it's the church that's gonna be influential. 
And this is gonna, only going to be a year of clarity of vision for you. It's going to be a year of double portion, 2020. You're going to receive double portion this year. Amen, somebody. But let me tell you something that none of this is going to matter to those who are far away from God if they don't first experience compassion and the love of God in their lives. And you are the vehicle for that. The church is the vehicle for that. You know, more better than prophesying and speaking in tongues and knowing all the mysteries that are in the word is love. Just being able to love the person next to you, the, the person behind you, the person that you get frustrated with. Come on, we all have those people. Some of them are sitting next to us. Some of them we're married to. Some of them we conceived. You know, whatever, whatever it is. It takes you a while to figure that one out. Eh? Sorry, uh, English is my second language, okay? So if I muck up, I'm blaming that. All right. Is anyone hearing me this morning? Jesus was compassionate because he first saw it in the Father. You know, when we look at God, we, we use certain terms to describe who he is. We, we often use like God creator, creator of heaven and earth and everything in it, uh, the, uh, above the earth uh, uh, and under the earth, all created by God. He is God creator. And uh, then we might use words like, uh, he is God the Father, Abba. Abba is a beautiful term. It's an intimate term that takes it deeper and it makes it more personal than just saying uh, Father. You know, it's, it's like saying Daddy. But, you know, we use that to describe God. And we use words like the great I am. I am the I am. You know, when he spoke to Moses, you know, you know who are you? I am, I am. It's just I am, you know. It's just the way I am and who I am. Anyway, and... Uh, and uh, then he says to, and then, then some view him as almighty God or El Shaddai, you know, but often we don't think of God as compassionate God. You know, compassionate God is actually as, as um, accurate a title for him as any other of those titles. Why? Because Jesus said, I can't do anything except what I see the Father doing. That which I see him doing, I also do likewise. So whatever the compassion or passion of Christ was, it was first in the compassion or passion of God. Is anybody hearing me? And so we've got to wrestle with this. We've got to understand this. And I, I want to put a charge to you this coming week. Is that all right? You didn't come just to listen. You're taking away homework this week. You know, I, I want you to figure out how it is that you can grow in this area of compassion. Maybe it's, it's somebody in your vicinity that, that you need to show grace to, like the woman caught in adultery. When everyone else was pointing the finger, going, you're a sinner, you're, a, you're no good, you're a nobody, you're not going to do anything. Jesus said, no. Hey, you, you're a child. You're a child of God. I'm not accusing you. I'm not pointing the finger. They might, but I'm not. Maybe there's somebody this week that you can do that for, or maybe it's somebody that you need to bring close and get in close proximity to. Remember, compassion is more effective, more impacting at a closer uh, connection, a closer uh, um, point. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So I wanna pray for this church. You know, I wanna say thank you so much to 
Actually, this is going to be my opportunity to say thank you to Marilyn and also Pastor Luke. And um, I just want to say these guys have been uh, leaders in the house of the Lord for so long. They've been faithful servants and probably the best role models of how leaders should look and act and be. And, uh, the, you know, Luke has been generous to us in Christchurch so often as I thank you for allowing him to come because he's just, uh, you know, I would pick up the phone and say, Luke, I need you to come to Christchurch. Uh, we've got a little bit of trouble. He'll be on the next flight down and then the evening flight back, you know, with, without a skip. So I want to honor you guys. I want to say thank you to you and Pastor Luke. You're still really leading and role models to so many of us who are leading churches. We always use you guys as the benchmarks on how people should be in churches. Can we give your pastors another big hand? I'm going to invite the team. Yeah, come on. Come on, let's all stand together. I'm gonna to pray for you. Let's all stand here this morning. Everyone just close their eyes. Let me just pray quickly before I hand it back to the team. Father, in your wonderful name. Come on, everybody lift your hands, get, receive this. Father, in your wonderful name, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in and through this church. But I know every single thing that comes out of this place is a result of a greater love for you. Father, they first love you. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll pour out your blessing over this house. As we go from this place, I pray that, Lord God, that we take the heart of the Father and reveal it to a world in need. We won't judge, we won't condemn, we won't convict. Lord, we will just extend your grace, your truth, your peace, your goodness, your compassion. We honour you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, can we thank Pastor Nu for that incredible message this morning? Well, it would be wrong of me to not offer you an invitation to get to know our Jesus when we hear about how compassionate He is this morning. So why don't you just grab your seats for just a moment. You know, as Nur shared, none of us are perfect. All of us have fallen short of God and His standard. But you know, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me and for you. And so that you could have relationship with Him. And so I wanna extend an invitation to you this morning that if you wanna know Jesus, if you wanna follow Him this morning, all I'm inviting you to do is to say a simple prayer after me in just a moment. And so with all eyes closed and heads bowed, you know, if that's you this morning, you're saying, you know, Abby, I'm far from God this morning. I don't know Him, but I want to. Why don't you just pray this prayer along after me in your heart? Dear Jesus, I thank You for the sacrifice that You made on that cross for my sin. Today, I choose to follow You and believe in You. I turn away from my sin and I put my trust in You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. 
with eyes closed and heads still bowed, I want you to take one last step of faith if that was you making a decision this morning. And I just want you to simply just raise your hand in just a moment, just so I can acknowledge you and know who I'm praying for. I just wanna pray a prayer, a blessing upon you as we come to a close this morning. So if that was you and you decided to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning, why don't you just put your hand up after the count of three. One, two, three. Hands going up. Awesome, I see that hand. I see that hand over there too. Fantastic. You can put your hands down. God, I thank You for every single person that made a decision to follow You this morning. God, I thank You that You've got a plan and a purpose for their life. God, I pray that as they seek You this week, God, you, would You make Yourself so real to them as they open up the Word, would it be like You're speaking directly to them, to their heart and their situation? God, I really pray for them this week. Would You put Your hand upon them? Would You protect them? Would You bring people alongside them that can help them in this faith journey? In Jesus' Name we pray. Amen.